1: Well, when Pastor Paul asked me to preach, I thought that this was going to be a much more easier exercise than preaching in front of the whole congregation. But I was wrong. You see, you have to take so many things into concentration, the lighting, the sound, and most importantly, you have to be confronted by looking at yourself, which is pretty disturbing. Anyway, this morning is not about me. It's about Holy Spirit and the word that he wants to bring to you this morning. Well, I want to start this morning with a small illustration. By a man called Pablo Casals. Pablo Casals was considered the greatest cellist to ever live. When he was 95 years old, he was asked why he continued to practice for six hours a day. And he answered, because I think I'm really making progress. I don't know about you, but deep inside of me, even when I first became a Christian, right up to now, there's a deep yearning for me to move deeper into God. A yearning to cut the ties of mediocrity and to take God's word seriously. I wonder how you would define faith. I think we all know as Christians, we have an understanding of what faith is. Hebrews 11.4 says, Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. But sometimes we have an understanding in our heads, but the outworking of our lives of faith is different. For some of us, it may be a set of beliefs. For others, it may be a switch that gets switched on and off. You know, I'm fearing today, so I have no faith, or I'm trusting, so I have faith, and I'm doubting, so I have no faith. It's not a switch, and neither is it an an event. It's not a one-time thing that happens And then I'm saved, and then I just carry on doing whatever I used to do before. Rather, faith is a journey. And because faith is a journey, it means that there are going to be different things. Just like any journey you go on, there will be different things, and there will be an adventure, and there will be troubles. There's going to be times when you're running your faith with passion. There's going to be times when you're pacing yourself. There's going to be times when you've completely stopped there's going to be times when you're climbing mountains, when you're in the valleys, and there's going to be times when you're, um, you know, you're facing obstacles and trials. But as long as we're making progress, we make we're moving in the right direction. You see, no matter how long you've been on the journey of faith, for let's face it, some people have been on the journey of faith for a very long time but are still babies. The Apostle Paul says. You know, you should be on solids by now, but you're still on liquids. And and there are others that have been in this journey of faith just a short time, but and yet have far further down the journey than some others because they've taken the word of God for what it is and they've run with it. No matter where you are on your journey, there will always be a deep desire to make progress. That's because the Spirit of God is calling you and pointing you and desiring you for you for you to, to finish the race. But as pointed out, progress takes commitment and dedication. And progress means taking God's word seriously. In Matthew 17.20, Jesus says, Because you are not yet taking God seriously, The simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a mustard seed, you would tell this mountain, move, and it would move. There is nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. What an encouraging word. But the truth is, some of us are not moving. But there's also deep dissatisfaction within us. And if you're one of those people this morning, I want to encourage you. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is Making Progress. Turn in your Bibles with me, please, to Matthew 14.22. Grab your smartphones, grab uh, your your physical Bibles if you have one. Um, It doesn't matter which one it is, but let's turn to the Word of God. I'm reading from Matthew 14.22 about a man who decided to walk on water. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I'm going to to get deeper into the Scripture in a minute, but I first want to point out this great metaphoric picture of the journey of faith that the Scripture holds. Let's say figuratively speaking that the boat represents the church. The ocean is the kingdom of God and and the land represents wilderness or fleshiness. Jesus is Jesus and you are you. Firstly, Jesus invites us into the boat. Jesus calls us and invites us to a place that we as land dwellers would find very unfamiliar. And the calling is difficult because We're constantly looking back at the things that we love and enjoy and we we don't want to let them go as we cross over to become, you know, to to step into the boat. But we're convinced by the evidence. and, And we take this great leap of faith and we start this journey of faith. And, you know we do take it serious because the the, the Word of God says that the angels rejoice and throw a party when somebody gives their life to Jesus and steps into the boat. But we also take it seriously because it's the beginning and the start. The Word of God says the old is gone and the new is It's Jesus says that we have to be born again. So there's, there's something that dramatic that happens when we take this leap of faith and when he invites us into the boat. But also our eyes are opened for the first time we see the kingdom of God and we see the world for what it is, and we see the prince who, who, who reigns over the world, and we see what sin is, whereas before we didn't know and we didn't see it. But, only, but, but on top of that, we also are saved and we come into a relationship with the living God. And so here we all are safe in the boat. Encouraging one another, but this faith journey has got to make progress. So secondly, Jesus calls us out of the boat onto the water. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And so now we're there. We're fully convinced and we believe, but God wants to make progress. He wants to add trust to your belief. Do you know, even the Word of God says that even the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they don't trust Him. It's possible to believe without trust. They don't trust Him because they trusted the devil over Jesus, over God. So God wants to make progress to add trust to your belief. You see, our commitment will never be mature and perfect until we've learned to step out and act on those convictions. Step out of the boat and act on our convictions, Vixens. Similarly, James the brother of Jesus tells us that faith without action is dead. You see, the boat is not the place we're supposed to spiritually remain. Do you remember that Jesus sent them out in this story? He sent them out on their own, knowing that there was a storm, knowing that there was wind. You see, the boat is not meant to be a time of comfort and relaxation. It's, time, it's a time for preparation as we wait for Jesus to join us. It's only a meeting place to be encouraged, to reignite our faith. It's a good place, and it's a, it's, it's a place that we love, but it has its purpose. It's a place that propels us forward in our faith journey, focusing on Jesus through the rest of the week. Focusing on the lost and saving them through the rest of the week. And then the journey continues. And lastly, Jesus expects us to walk in troubled waters. And this is when the journey gets tough. But let me tell you something. This is when the tough get going. You know, they say they say in in persecuted countries that Christians are like tea bags. You don't know what they are. You don't know what they're made of until you put them in hot water. The hotter it gets, the stronger the aroma and the stronger the essence. Troubled water or storms are designed to create frustration and fear in your life. But they can either bring up the worst in us or the best. And we know this because we have you know, been the worst at times and we've been the best at times. You see, many of us have been incorrectly taught that if we have fear, we have no faith. It's just not true. Fear is not the opposite of faith. Rather, it's the obstacle or it's the opportunity for faith to conquer, to overcome. Fear is one of the primary growth propellants to a strengthened faith. It's the great test that stretches us, that forces us to be either an overcomer or to be consumed. But guess what? Even if it does consume us, It does not leave me faithless. I just had a bad day. What it does, it resolves me to go again. It reveals to me that my faith focus needs to change. Facing obstacles and fears is the only reliable road to follow if you want a secure, lasting faith that can endure all storms. Nothing grows on mountain tops. It only grows in valleys. And yet King David said this, though I walk through the valley of death, I shall fear no evil. Do you know why nothing grows in in, um, deserts? It's because there's no storms. We need storms for growth. We need storms for life. It doesn't matter on your journey of faith whether the obstacles are placed there by God or whether they've been put there by the enemy. The enemy wants you to turn back in your journey. But God wants you to be strengthened so that you can tackle the next part of your journey and, and, and finish that race. To make progress. So how do we make progress? Well, the truth is, just like you, I'm learning every single day. I walk, I run, I trip, I stumble, I get up and I run again. But I want to share with you three points this morning, two points this morning that I've learned from the Holy Spirit to encourage you on your journey to make progress. Number one, stop waiting for Jesus to come to you. The disciples in the boat tells us a story. 11 of them were consumed with fear and waited for Jesus to reveal his true nature and for him to come to them, to comfort them in their fear. But only Peter walked on water because only Peter went to Jesus. The calling is only there for those who ask and are willing to go. Joel 2.32 says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. I've heard so often in Christian circles, people talking about the fact that they're waiting for their calling. They're not too sure what their calling is. And I would say to you, start crying out for your calling. But most importantly, be willing to step into places you've never stepped before. Be willing to stand on things that you've never trusted before. And when you call out to God and He says, Come, then you are ready to go. Number two, learning the importance of faith's focus. You know, sometimes it's not asking what we must do rather than asking what we must stop doing that gives us the keys. What consumes your time? If I were a gambling man and I'm not, I would gamble on this one thing, that most of us spend too much time in distractions that take us away from following and focusing on Jesus. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there too will your heart, will your heart be. The famous author and Christian, C.S. Lewis, wrote a, uh, um, a great book called Screwtape, The Screwtape Letters, That teaches us that the enemy is less interested in you losing your faith. He can't stop you from being from saved. Rather than distracting you, so you become a powerless, purposeless Christian that leads a life where apathy reigns. I suggest you start letting go of just one. Your main one. Ask the Holy Spirit. I believe he's even convicting some of you right now. Ask the Holy Spirit. What should I let go of? What is it that's causing me to spend so much of my time focused on things that don't matter so that I can make up my mind and do it and take you seriously? I'm convinced that this is, this is the road back to progress and refocusing you on the Lord and our Saviour. It's so important, this faith focus. How is it possible that Peter, in our minds, has such great faith in one moment, walking on water, but in the, but in the very next moment is told by Jesus, you have of little faith. Why did you doubt? Do you remember the scripture I read before where Jesus said all you need is a kernel of faith? All you need is little faith and you can move this mountain and tell it to go to, to wherever you want it to go. It's not the size of your faith that counts. It's the focus of your faith that counts. Watch this. Peter calls Jesus and Jesus comes. He's locked in. He steps out of the boat. He focuses on the one he loves, the one he desires to be with. And in this focus, the power of God is moving. Now you could say this is just great faith, but look what happens here. As Peter is looking at Jesus and he's walking to Jesus, he suddenly sees out of the corner of his eyes a distraction. He sees the winds. He sees the waves. He sees problems. And so he turns to the problem. And as he turns to the problem, the faith is, is broken off and the power of God is, is, is broken off. And so he begins to put his faith in the problems rather than Jesus. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that at that particular moment, Peter had more faith that the waves and the wind and the storm would overcome him and destroy him than he did that Jesus could save him. When you have faith in the natural, the supernatural cannot operate. We cannot walk in water in the natural we cannot defeat sickness in the natural. We cannot de- defeat sin in the natural. We cannot defeat pride. We will sink because we are governed by the natural laws. But faith's focus has a supernatural law. You know, when you want to fix something, uh, if something's broken, a, a stool leg or a table leg or a pot or something, we get glue. But if we really wanted to glue well and stick for a lifetime, you've got to get the special glue. And the special glue is where it comes in two separate pieces. It comes in a compound mixture and it comes in a hardener mixture. Very often what we do is we try and, and I'm talking figuratively now, if, if, if we are the compound and Jesus is the hardener and we have a problem, we try and fix it with the compound. We stick this glue stuff on there, and we 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 think it's working good, and next minute it breaks again and so we go back and we stick it back on. But when you add the hardener, the entire ingredient changes the chemistry changes the supernatural starts to work. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get the water to harden, and that can only happen when you've got both Jesus and yourself in faith's focus, both the hardener and the compound working together. You know, there's two ways that you can defeat distractions of fear and trouble in your life. One is praising and the other is remembering. There's a great story uh, about um, King Jehoshaphat, and I'm going to read some scriptures where he, gets, uh, he starts to get attacked by the Moabites and the Ammonites. And says this, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Minamites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they they are on Hazen Tamar. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to the Lord. See what happens there? He was fearing, but he turned faith's focus to the Lord. He didn't start looking for you know his army to help him or surrender himself. He turned his face to seek the Lord, faith's focus, when there were troubles in front of him. And later on it says, this is what he did. This is this is how he solved his problem. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy and they went before the army. So the first way to defeat faiths, uh, the distractions and the troubles, and to get back into faith's focus, is to start praising God. You know, when you're fearing stuff and you're troubling with stuff, the last thing you want to do is praise, because you, it's just hard. Let's face it. But if you remember and you start to do it, you know, God, Father, I love you. God, thank you for what you did, God. And slowly it starts. But soon enough, you're going to start building momentum. And you're going to be praising God and say, God, you are so good. And it builds faith. And what it does is it turns faith's focus off the distractions and back onto God. And the other thing that Jehoshaphat did was he remembered what God had done. He started to say, God, you were the one that took the Israelites through the, through the Red Sea. You rescued. Them. God, you were the one who, who established us in this great, um, you know, land of milk and honey. God, you're the one. And he started going through all the different, all the different miracles that God had done. You too have had God create many miracles in your life. Start remembering them. Start singing them out and start praising God for them. And your faith's focus will come back. And then the supernatural comes back. It's not that God wants you to be broken off from the supernatural. We're the ones that break it. We're the ones that turn. Remember, you have to have the compound and the hardener working together, but God has given you the ability to turn and release it from. He wants you to be connected. Why did Peter sink? He took his eyes off Jesus and onto the waves. His focus shifted. Don't focus on the storms of life. Don't focus on your problems. Don't focus on your inadequacies. Don't focus on your lack, your ill, your health, your anxieties, your relationship problems, your offense, your stresses, your worries and your concerns and your sin. Shift your focus on God. Focus on His strength, His sovereignty, His power. Focus on what He's done for you. Focus on His ways, how high higher His ways are than yours. Focus on His power. Focus on his will, focus on his love, and focus on the lost. As you do this, the ground beneath you will no longer be shaky. It will no longer cause you to sink. Your gaze will be lifted higher, and you too could begin to walk on water in the middle of storms. Church, I don't know where you're standing today. There may be some of you that are still on the beach, haven't even got into the, into the boat yet. And you're asking yourself, what am I going to lose if I get in this boat? I want to tell you something. You will lose nothing, but you will gain everything. The Word of God says that Jesus says this, that if you lose your life, you'll gain it. But if you hold on to your life, you'll lose everything. You may be in the boat and you may, be, you may have been there too long. You've maybe never stepped out on your convictions, stepped out onto the water, Well, you may have got out onto the water, but suddenly have been distracted and knocked back down. And then you think to yourself, where do I go from here? I want you to know this, that God wants you to make progress. He is with you. He's the seconder with you on, on, the, on the marathon. He is running there with the water, the Holy Spirit. He's running there with the food, the manna, the, the word of God. He's, he's, he's going to nourish you when, you when you need him. He will always be there. He reached down to Peter when he was sinking and he said, Save me. And he grabbed him up. He is always there for you. He wants you to keep focus and he wants you to finish this race and finish it well.
0: Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.